Welcome to the sermon podcasts of Cross Church. Today, Pastor Alan Duncalf begins a new series for Christmas called This Christmas, Let It Go. Most of us have sung or heard that famous Christmas carol, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, many times, but we may have missed the key point of this 275-year-old Christmas song. It celebrates the reconciliation between God and man. Reconciliation means to be reunited in love and unbroken in relationship with one another. Just listen to the first verse of that old carol. Hark, the herald angels sing glory to the newborn king. Peace on earth and mercy mild. God and sinners reconcile. Joyful all ye nations rise. Join the triumph of the skies. With the angelic host proclaim Christ is born in Bethlehem. Hark, the herald angels sing glory to the newborn king. This Christmas, we want to encourage everyone to let go of anything that stands between them and God. Pastor Allen is inviting you to be reconciled to God, to make sure that you have made your peace with Him. If you're willing to take this step, this may very well be your best Christmas ever. God loves us, and He has proven His love to us. Listen now to Pastor Allen explain what God wants to give you for Christmas. Christmas songs have that as the theme. Something about peace on earth, peace between God and mankind, peace between you and I. It talks about friendship. It talks uh, about uh, love, reconciliation, getting along with one another. Folks, I want to say this to you this morning. Um, Christmas, the main theme of Christmas is not, believe it or not, uh, Christmas trees. That's not the theme. Uh, cuddly babies, mangers, shepherds, livestock, stars, Christmas trees, wise men, St. Nicholas, or even decking the halls with holly. That is not what Christmas is about. And you have heard this uh, ad nauseum. Every year at this time of the year, the pastor stands up and says, we got to talk about the true meaning of Christmas. Well, what you're going to hear are things that you've heard before. And you say, well, Pastor Allen, if we've already heard this, why do we need to hear it again? And I'll tell you why. Because quite frankly, you and I need to be reminded that the meaning of Christmas is all about peace on earth. It's all about reconciliation. It's all about being reconciled to God and reconciled to one another. So the point of Christmas is found in that song sung by the angel host, the angel armies. Look what it says here in Luke 2, 13 to 14. And it says, suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. Maybe you uh, are familiar with it in a different version. Um, Peace on earth and goodwill towards men. What are we talking about here? We're talking about the announcement of a brand new thing that's about to happen. With the birth of Jesus Christ comes something brand new to the Jewish people, and then ultimately, as it says, to the nations. And what is it? It's this. God wants to be reconciled to his creation. He wants to be reconciled to you and me. That word reconciled or reconciliation, here's here's the the simple definition. Reconciliation means the restoration of friendly relations. 
Now, that might come as a shock to you because many of you say, well, I didn't know that there was a breakdown in the relationship between me and God. I love God, and I was under the assumption that God loved me. You didn't know that there was actual breakdown in the relationship. Well, I'm going to describe that to you or explain it to you in just a moment. But what you and I all need to understand today is that Christmas is a celebration of the reconciliation between God and you and me. And if we fail to understand that, then we will fail to appreciate or understand what the Christmas season is all about. In fact, for many of you, you will not even enjoy it. My desire as your pastor this morning is to help you enjoy Christmas to the extreme. Now, all of Christianity, the whole message of Christianity is about reconciliation. And so today and over the next two weeks, we're going to actually talk about that. We're going to talk about how you can be reconciled to God, and hopefully we'll do that today. And then secondly, we're going to talk about how to be reconciled to one another. And then finally, we're going to talk about how we can help others get reconciled with the people in their lives where there are problems. Because we all know, we all know that this is something that we all deal with. It's something we all face. In fact, you may have come to church this morning and you didn't talk to your, your husband or your wife all the way to church or you're mad at your kids and talk to your kids. And the fact of the matter is you need to be reconciled to people even now as I'm speaking. Because this is what life's about. It's a breakdown of relationship. It's it's a lack of peace. The peace that brings true joy in this life. Now, how do we get to this place where we have this breakdown in relationship? Where did this come from? Well, in a nutshell, it's because of what we've inherited from our grandparents. And I'm talking about our great, 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 well, Adam and Eve. My grandmother, um, her maiden name was Johnston, and she was very quick to point out that it's Johnson with a T, Johnston. And she, she is uh, of Irish extraction. And uh, do we have any Irish people here this morning? So please don't be offended or hurt at what I'm going to say to you right now. Uh, the fact of the matter is, if my grandmother was Irish, then I've got a bit of that in me as well, so don't be offended. Um, Grandma always said that her fiery nature came from... Well, she said she inherited it. She inherited it from her folks and her folks before that. She, uh, she was uh, quite a formidable lady. And, you know, I always thought that my dad was formidable. I always thought that he was, he was the strongest, toughest person in the whole wide world. That was until I saw my grandmother um, scold him. I was quite shocked as a boy to see an uh, old lady uh, scolding my father, who I thought was the strongest man in the world, um, but yeah, she put him in her place. And she said that she got that kind of strength because she inherited it. Well, we all inherit things from our grandparents. And so far in the Duncalf family, we've been able to trace back our family lineage to uh, the early 1600s. And uh, we can actually, I can actually trace back seven great grandfathers. And uh, which is really quite fascinating uh, because on the website that we go to, there are actually pictures uh, that don't go back to 1630, but they do go back a few years. Um, I can see my great-grandfather. And uh, that means that Jesse has got eight traceable great-grandparents. 
And uh, Jesse is one of the few in our family that actually looks like his great-grandfather. Of all my, my, my nieces and nephews and my uncles and cousins and brothers and sisters, no one looks as much like, like my grandfather, Jesse's great-grandfather, than Jesse. And, you know, we always wonder, where on earth does Jesse get his looks from? And I, I won't go there, but we, we, where, do, where, does, where does he get that from? And then we saw a picture on the website of my grandfather when he was just a young man. It just, it just, it just blew us away. There's Jesse, um, look, looking just like my grandpa, Percival Alfred Duncalf. Now, John McKay did some uh, extensive research and uh, worked a lot with, with the Jewish genealogists, and uh, he discovered that on average, we are about 145 generations away from Adam and Eve, making them great-grandparents times 142. In other words, there are great, 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 well, I'm not going to do it 142 times, but you get the, you get the point. We are, we are descendants. And here's what, here's what Jesse inherited from those grandparents. Jesse inherited something uh, from his 143rd great-grandfather. And uh, I don't want to embarrass him this morning, but uh, I'll do it anyway. (laughs) Uh, He inherited something called a sin nature. And, uh, you know, Jesse's not alone in that because I also inherited that from my great-great-great-great-great-great-great-grandfather and grandmother, in fact, all of us Duncalfs, all of us, we are all born enemies of God. So you're sitting, you didn't know that about the Duncalfs, but we were all, all of us, the Duncalfs, are all born enemies of God. Now that might come as a shock to you, but I'm going to just bring you up to, up to speed on this. The fact of the matter is, is that all of us here today inherited that same sin nature. In fact, the Apostle Paul calls that sin nature, he, he describes you and I with this sin nature as enemies of God. You can read that yourself in Colossians chapter 1. Look what, he, look what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 3. And Paul, he, keeps, he likes to remind us of this fact. He says, our lives expressing the evil within us, doing every wicked thing that our passions or evil thoughts might lead us into. We started out bad, being born with evil natures, and we're under God's anger. What's Paul doing here, folks? He's establishing a fact. The fact is, is that you and I were born enemies of God, and you and I need to be reconciled to God. And again, what does that word reconciliation mean? It means simply the restoration of friendly relations. And so God is calling us We who were born enemies of God, God is calling us back into a right relationship with him. And I know some of you may be shocked at this today because, quite frankly, you thought that you were pretty good people. You, you came here today thinking, well, I, I thought I was a good person. I've never murdered anybody. And when you compare yourself to someone like Hitler or Stalin or Charles Manson uh, or these uh, ISIS jihadists, I mean, we're, we're, we're awfully good people, aren't we? But here's, here's the thing that we fail to recognize is that every one of us, born an enemy of God, has got sin in our lives. And all we have to do is stop and consider for a moment the things that we've done in our past, maybe the things that we're still struggling with today. Have you ever lied? Even a white lie? 
Have you ever cheated? Have you ever taken something that doesn't belong to you? You said, Pastor Allen, so far, so good. I haven't done any of those things, so <laughs> all's good. But hold on a minute here. Have you ever gossiped? You ever talked about somebody behind their back? Have you ever said something disparagingly about someone behind their back? Have you ever had lustful thoughts? Ah, penny drops. We recognize we got a problem here. We're born enemies of God. And we get this from Adam and Eve. You say, well, Pastor John, I'm still not getting this. What does that mean? We're born with a sinful nature. Where did that come from? Well, very simply, God gave Adam and Eve very simple instructions. He didn't give them 10 commandments. He didn't give them a Bible to read. He didn't, there's nothing, just one simple instruction. Adam and Eve, eat whatever you want in the garden, but don't touch the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That's it. That's one commandment. That's it. And Adam and Eve could not keep that one commandment. They said, no, God, we're not going to obey you. We're not going to do what you say. We're going to do what we want to do. We don't want to do what you want to do. Not, there, I mean, there's a whole another sermon that I could preach just based on that. But let's, let's, let's suffice it to say, Adam and Eve's sin, very simply put, is that they refused to obey God. Folks, that is the definition of sin. It's an unwillingness to obey God. It's an unwillingness to do what God says all the time, every time. That's what sin is. And that's what you and I have inherited. And the Bible tells us that all have sinned. It says this in Romans, all have sinned and all have fallen short of God's standard or God's best. In fact, the Bible says that the wages of sin is death. But the good news, folks, and here's the good news of Christmas. This is why we celebrate Christmas. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. Through Jesus Christ, folks, you and I are reconciled to God. Now, here we are on this first Sunday morning in December, and our, maybe for some of us, our hearts are far from God. And you think, well, you know, I'm not, that, I'm not in that bad of shape. I'm, I'm actually pretty good compared to who I came to church with. Just look over your shoulder. Don't, don't, don't let them know you're looking at them. Or her. Or them. <laughs> but the fact of the matter is, is uh, we're here. And God wants to speak to you, and God wants to speak to me. And here's what he wants you and I to know today. He wants you to know that he loves you, and he wants to restore friendly relations. In other words, he wants you to get back to that place where you are enjoying his fellowship. And are you? Have you talked to God today? Have you, have you given God thanks? And when the band was up leading us in worship, were you worshiping or was your heart far away and distant and maybe even cold? Or maybe, you know, quite frankly, you can't be bothered with that part of the service so you didn't come in until the preaching started, until the bumper video started. God wants you to understand something. He wants you to understand that he created you to have a relationship with you. He loves you. And he wants you to be on friendly terms with him. In other words, he wants to have 
a close relationship with you. So what do we do? You know, we celebrate Christmas every year. We put up the decorations, the snowflakes, the lights. We have a Christmas production. We have a Christmas Eve service. And by the way, I invite you all to be here on Christmas Eve, and in case you don't know when that is, December 24th. Well, you never know. Uh, 8 o'clock p.m. Why do we do this? Because this time of the year is a reminder of God's love for us, his love that's so great that he sent his own son, Jesus Christ. And God wants you to experience his ideal. What's God's ideal? What's God's ideal for human beings? What's God's ideal for this earth? I'll tell you in a nutshell, peace on earth. That's what he says. Peace on earth. Reconciliation. Peace between us and God. Peace between you and me. Peace between every single person in your life. You say, well, hold on a minute here, Pastor. Everybody? Yeah. Even my brother? Yeah. Even my mother? Yeah. Even my husband? (laughs) My kids? Yeah, everyone. This is God's ideal. And here's what you need to understand. is although you may not agree with God, even though you may not understand what God wants, I can tell you this, God knows what's best for you. And so we hear the Christmas carols, and we feel annoyed. And people who don't know God and don't know Christ and don't understand Christianity, they're especially annoyed. There's petitions, get get that manger scene off the property of public buildings that shouldn't be in schools, don't sing the songs. What's the real problem here, folks? I'll tell you what the problem is, is the Spirit of God's working on people constantly in ways that you and I don't know anything about. And God is reminding people of what his ideal is, and it's peace. Peace between you and everybody in your life, and peace with him. We don't want to be reminded of that. It's just an annoyance. If we could just get through the Christmas season and not let it disturb us, not let it interrupt our lifestyle so we can go on as we are, angry and bitter and annoyed and skeptical and cynical and, and, and so on and so forth. But God breaks in and says, hey, hang on. Let's, let's stop and reconsider what life is really all about. And life is really all about relationships and good relationships, happy and successful relationships. This past week, we went to Dennis Perron's brother's funeral and Dennis gave a, a, a marvelous tribute to his brother. And his brother put his faith in God and worked really hard at making sure he had great relations with his brothers, with his family, with his kids, with his grandkids. That was the common theme throughout the eulogy. And I sat back and I thought to myself, this guy lived a really successful life because he was at peace with absolutely everybody in his life, and most importantly, he was at peace with God. Now, we know all this. We, in our heart of hearts, we know all this already. 
An interesting thing is that the social scientists, they all recognize it. PR Newswire says that Christmas, if you can believe this, is the sixth most stressful life event. Christmas? A time of singing and rejoicing and turkey dinners and presents and food and singing and happiness and lights is the sixth most stressful event in your life. And it, you notice it calls it an event. They put it right up there with divorce, if you can imagine that, or losing your job or any of the other massively stressful moments. Christmas, really, in that category? Yeah. And you know why? Because it's at Christmas time when we're faced with the reality of broken relationships, no relationships, loneliness. They say that one in five people struggles severely at Christmas time. One in five. So that means there's a lot of people here today who potentially are really struggling at this time of the year. And the problem, don't get along. Don't get along with my mom. Don't get along with my dad. Don't get along with my brother. Don't get along with my kids. Don't get along with my grandpa, my grandma, my aunt, my uncle, my cousin, my friends at work, my boss, and so on and so forth. Christmas party at work, forget it. The last people on the earth I want to celebrate with. Healthline says, according to one Canadian study of patients treated by emergency psychiatric services during the Christmas season, they say that the most common stressors were feelings of loneliness and being without a family. Wow, that's not God's ideal. But that's where we naturally go in our sinful state. Experts advise, and this is, I read this, I actually got a kick out of it. For those of you who are struggling at Christmas time, here, here it is, ready? Experts advise a regimen of self-care during the holidays, which includes eating a healthy diet. Are you kidding me? That's a time of the year when I eat the worst food that has ever been made on the planet. More sugar, more fat, and more empty cal- Anybody know what an empty calorie is? Basically, anything with empty calories is delicious. But the- <laughs> and it goes on to say this. Maintain a regular sleep pattern. Well, that I can do, because I eat turkey and I fall asleep right away. I mean, literally, at my at Gloria's parents' place, we, have, we sit down, we have turkey dinner, and then what I do is I just slide off my chair and onto the couch and fall asleep. It just, my kids say, Dad, why do you always sleep at Christmas time? That's about the only time of the year I can. Uh, so I can do that one. Now watch this. It says, it says here, in fact, as little as 30 minutes of cardiovascular exercise can provide an immediate mood boost to the effects of an antidepressant medication. I love that. Who's got time for exercise at Christmas? My exercise is this. <laughs> yeah. But here, here's, here's what Dr. John Cicipio says. He says, uh, he's a neuroscientist, and he says this. He says, the best thing, the best thing that a person can do at Christmas who's struggling with psychiatric stressors, he says, is to reach out to others despite how difficult it may seem. 
social scientists to recognize what God's been saying all along. What you need is to have peace in your life. You need to have peace on earth. And when we talk about peace on earth, it's supposed to actually be for you, not just for everybody else. He says, reach out to others, despite how difficult it may seem. And then he says this. He says, loneliness should act in a similar way to thirst, motivating you to change your behavior in some way. That sense of loneliness that you have, God, God invented that as an indication to you that you need to enter into relationship with the people that God's put into your life. If you're thirsty, then I'm going to tell you that the starting point for peace in your life is to make sure that you're reconciled, first of all, to God. Are you? Are you right where you need to be in your walk with God? Because I can tell you this, if you're, if you're not reconciled to God, if you're not on friendly relations with God, if you're not where you need to be spiritually, then I can guarantee you that you're gonna have problems with all the people in your life, or at least some of them. And you know who they are. Because as soon as I said that, someone popped into mind, oh yeah, <laughs> you know exactly what I'm talking about. So here's, here's how we know whether or not we're reconciled to God, whether or not we're on friendly terms with God, whether we are where we need to be in terms of our walk with God. We know that we're right with God and we're in a good place with God when we're at peace with all the people in our lives. Did you hear that? I, hear, I remember one, one lady that came to our church. She doesn't come here. I don't know where she is right now, but I mean, she was kind of crazy to be honest. And she, oh, spiritual talk, quoting scripture verses. I mean, she couldn't speak in normal English. It was King James. And it was like, I don't know what you're talking about, lady, but boy, is she spiritual. And yet, mad at her ex, mad at her kids, mad at her boyfriend, mad at this one, mad at that. I mean, just, it was like, it's constant. So I'm either listening to the hyper-spiritual talk or I'm sitting and listening to all the people she's angry at. I can tell you this right now. You cannot claim to be on friendly terms with God. You cannot claim to be walking with God while you're angry or bitter or resentful of other people. I don't care who they are, and I don't care what they've done to you. Well, I do care about that, but that doesn't change anything. Listen to, listen to what John says. First John chapter 4, verse 20, he says this. He says, whoever claims to love God yet hates his brother or sister, is a liar. You can't claim to love God and yet hate somebody. John says, you're a liar if you claim that. For whoever does not love their brother and sister, whom they've seen, cannot love God whom they've not seen. Are you bitter towards someone, angry at somebody? Next week, I'm gonna tell you how to get that sorted out. But I can tell you, you need to start today to start sorting out your relationships because I can tell you, you cannot walk with God and hate anybody. So Pastor Allen, uh, what's the test? Because I, I think I'm okay, but I'm not 100%. You know what I'm talking about, right? You think, I think I'm okay with everybody. How do I know for sure that I have no anger, no resentment, no bitterness? Well, I've got four tests for you. Ready? Here we go. Take the test if you're brave. Number one, that person 
who you're really tempted to be angry at all the time, would you be willing to have a visit and some fellowship with that person? If you say no to that, then I know that you got a problem and we got to get it fixed. But if you're willing to say, yeah, you know what? There's been tension there. There's been some stress there. We haven't had the peace that we should have. But you know what? I, I actually would love to sit down and visit with that person and have some fellowship with them. If you've passed that test, let's go on to the second test. Do you speak well of them? Oh. What's the first thing that comes out of your mouth when you're with somebody? Just, just slam him, slam her, put him down, put her. Well, then I know you got a problem. And you know you got a problem. How do you talk about these people? If you're not speaking well of them, then there's something that you got to get resolved. Number three, you passed point number one, point number two. Number three, are you praying for their well-being? Because I know what some people are, when they say, but they, they're so mad, oh, God, get them, teach them a lesson. You know what I'm talking about, right? I don't know. <laughs> we got an understanding, Adam and me. God, make sure that they pay the penalty for their... And God, when they're not looking... If you're praying for people and you're praying God's best and God bless them and shower them with your blessings and help them, God, well, then I know that, man, you're probably in a good place. So if you pass test one, two, and three, here's the fourth one. And this is a tough one. Have you tried to make peace with him or her? Because that's what Jesus says to do. He says, if you're coming to pray, coming to worship, and suddenly you remember, oh, he's got something against me, she's got something against me, then Jesus says, just whatever you're gonna, whatever you're gonna do, whatever you're, if you're gonna give a gift to God, you're gonna worship God, just leave it there and go make things right first. Jesus is saying, you can't worship God while you're holding a grudge and you've got something against somebody. Now, why does God do this? Because he wants to torture us? Because <laughs> he wants to make life miserable for us? No. Because God knows what you and I need more than anything else is we need peace in our lives. And God wants us to do what we can do to bring peace. See, you can't force somebody to love you. You can't force someone to be nice to you. You can't force somebody to, to always serve you and be kind to you and do all the right things that would make you happy. But what you can do is that you can be nice and you can be friendly and you can pray for them and you can be kind and you can do all the things that you want them to do for you. Folks, this is Christianity 101. So here's the thing. God's calling all of us to be reconciled to him. Peace on earth is God's idea. And if you're gonna have a right relationship with God, if you're gonna have peace with God, then here's what's gonna have to happen is that you are gonna have to make peace with all the people in your life. And I know, I mean, that's a tall order. I mean, I say it's, it's so easy to say, isn't it? Make peace with all the people in your life. That's so simple to say, but it's the hardest thing that you will ever do. And God says, if you will do it, if you will do this, you will have peace in your life. You will be free. I'm gonna close with a scripture verse. 
2 Corinthians chapter 5, 17 to 19. And here's what Paul says to the believers in the city of Corinth almost 2,000 years ago. This is what he says. He says, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. Now, just stop there for a moment, because I know some of you are sitting here today thinking, Pastor Allen, what you're asking to me to do is impossible. And I will agree with you, it is impossible. But I want you to hear what Jesus has got to say. He says, with man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Your old person, the old you, can never be reconciled, can never make peace, can never be friendly. The old you wants to purchase arms and weapons. <laughs> and, and, and you want to let off, you know, a few bombs and just, you know, not to kill them, but just maim them slightly and that'll teach them. That's the old you. But anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. And all of this, watch this, folks. Here's your Christmas gift. This is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. For God was in Christ, watch this, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. If God can forgive you all the things that you've done, and Paul's saying you can do the same for others. If God has forgiven you all of your sins, all your crimes, all the horrible things that you've done, then you can also forgive others what they've done to you. I'm going to invite you to stand with me to pray. Let's pray. God, we want to say thank you for Christmas because it's a reminder of what this season is really all about. It's all about reconciliation, the restoration of friendly relations. And that's what we want with you, Father. And that's what we want with all the people in our lives. God, we leave here today with a tough assignment. We leave here today knowing that we've got to make sure that we embrace the one who is trying to embrace us. That's you. God, even as we feel your embrace, we're asking you, God, for the grace and the strength to be reconciled to all the people in our lives. God, we know that that's where our happiness is going to come from. That's where the joy and the peace in our home is going to come from. That's where the peace in our marriage is going to come from. So give us the grace, we pray, to live with the angel armies proclaim peace on earth and goodwill towards all men. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. And everyone said it with me. Tell the person beside you, go in peace. <laughs>